X-Ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Jefferson Smith from Portland, Oregon. It is Monday, February the 22nd. Today, back in the day, February 22nd, 1819, the Oregon territories were released from Spain by the Adams-Onis Treaty, signed by John Quincy Adams and Spanish Minister Luis de Onis. The treaty had more to do with establishing a border between the new Spain and the U.S. territories. The most northern border, however, was at the 42nd parallel, beyond which Oregon country lay. Over the years, the shape of the territory would change before we landed on the beloved bumpy rectangle we know today. Of course, the land mass we're talking about was and is still inhabited by the Umatilla, Chinook, Spokane, Siletz, and Umpqua Native American tribes, to name just a handful. By the way, if you want a handy device, I mean handy intentionally, about how to tell people where things are in Oregon, you can use your fist. This little piece is a pretty good map of Oregon. Here's California. Here's the Columbia River. If I kick up my knuckle a little bit, that's the Cascade Range. Portland, you know, right around there. Here you go. Today, back in the day, February 22nd, 1889, the Enabling Act was signed by President Grover Cleveland, bringing Montana and Washington into the United States. Shortly thereafter, each of those states elected their congressional leaders and the federal government began providing education to the young people. Unclaimed land in those states became government property, including Native American reservations. The land masses known as Washington and Montana now were and still are inhabited by Crow, Cheyenne, Blackfeet, and Spokane tribes, to name just a handful. Today, back in the day, February 22, 1974, Sam Lovejoy toppled a nuclear plant tower. The tower was erected to test wind direction in case of radiation fallout. It was brought down with simple farm tools. Lovejoy made a statement with local officials, writing that, and I'm quoting, As a farmer concerned about the organic and the natural, I find irradiated fruit, vegetables, and meat to be inorganic, and I can find no natural balance with a nuclear plant in this or any community. During his trial, the court was taught a great deal about plutonium, including the likelihood to cause cancer and the difficulty of storing that plutonium. Lovejoy was found not guilty. The nuclear plant project was postponed and ultimately canceled in 1980. And February is Black History Month, and today we'd like to celebrate Rosalind Hill. Rosalind Hill, known as the Queen of Alberta Street, was one of the original developers of the Alberta Arts District. In the 1950s and 1960s, Alberta Street was a community rich in restaurants, jazz clubs, other businesses. Hill grew up in the area, and upon returning in the 1990s, found her neighborhood had taken a turn she didn't like. Hill saw a need for the revitalization of the area, so she bought up several blocks and asked artists to move into the area at low cost. New galleries and restaurants opened, maintaining the vintage architecture of Alberta Street, and the first Last Thursday Art Walk was held in 1997, marking a change in the neighborhood. The Alberta Arts District now features several large murals, many honoring the legacy of historic black figures in our town. Today we have an interview with Matthew Fromm from Astronaut St. Records. X-Ray. First up, it's time for today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. In what was apparently a complete surprise to the Portland Parks Department, a new statue has appeared on Mount Tabor. It's a new likeness of the man known as York, the one black man in the Lewis and Clark expedition. And now, a big statue of his face is in the spot where Harvey Scott's statue once stood. Harvey Scott was the early 20th century editor-in-chief of the Oregonian. He was well known for his opposition to women's suffrage. His statue was toppled over the summer during the racial justice protests. The new bust seems to have appeared overnight, even includes a plaque. The plaque is inscribed as such, 
York, the first African-American across North America and reached the Pacific Coast. Born to slavery in the 1770s to the family of William Clark, York became a member of the 1804 Lewis and Clark Expedition. Though York was an enslaved laborer, he performed all the duties of a full member of the expedition. He was a skilled hunter, negotiated trade with Native American communities, and tended to the sick. Upon his return east with a corps of discovery, York asked for his freedom. Clark refused his request. The date and circumstances of his death are unclear. Commissioner Carbon Rubio, in charge of the Parks Department, had this to say, and I am quoting, We should regard this installation for both the important piece that it is, as well as a much-needed reminder to city leaders to hasten our work of rooting out white supremacy in our institutions, particularly our city government, where many processes exclude community participation and discourage engagement. For their part, the Parks Department has decided the new bust can stay, as long as it is deemed, and I am quoting, safe for public viewing. And to creative activists, we say thank you. And now, time for your daily dose of data. Oregon reported 111 new cases of COVID on Sunday, including one new death. Due to a server error, many test results were not reported on Sunday. Tomorrow's total number of new cases is projected to be higher than usual as a result. Currently, there are 166 people hospitalized with COVID-19, three more than the day prior. Oregonians are on track to continue our decline in COVID case numbers. A modeling software used by state health officials shows cases to continue their downward trend as long as Oregonians continue to adhere to well-known precautionary measures. This means as long as we continue to wear our masks, maintain physical distancing, and restrict the size of gatherings, we should see a big dip in case counts. The model projects that if we stay on the same trajectory, this week we should see an average of 320 cases per day and about 10 less patients hospitalized daily. On the flip side, if we throw caution to the wind, we may see as much as a 30% spike in cases. This data comes as many counties are moving out of the extreme risk category, and some have made it all the way to lower risk. County risk levels are announced every other Tuesday, and changes are enacted on Fridays, which means more counties may be loosening restrictions later this week if the data holds. Apple is reopening in downtown Portland. The store located at Pioneer Place has been closed for nearly nine months. Today, it is reborn. The store first closed briefly during the beginning of the pandemic in March of 2020. It reopened in May. Then a few weeks later, the storefront was trashed amid protests following the killing of George Floyd. Apple covered its damaged glass storefront with plywood. Artists used that as a mural canvas. The storefront mural features images of George Floyd and others who have been lost to police violence. In January, the mural was donated to Don't Shoot Portland. Apple's reopening comes soon after Gucci's establishment of a new Pioneer Place boutique. The courts will not intervene on behalf of Representative Diego Hernandez. On Saturday, United States District Court Judge Anne Aiken refused to rule in a case brought by Hernandez. The embroiled lawmaker was trying to stop a vote on expulsion and other sanctions by his peers. A panel of lawmakers on the House Conduct Committee have determined that Hernandez created a hostile work environment for at least three women. The House may vote as soon as tomorrow to expel Hernandez. The expulsion would take a two-thirds majority vote. Representative Hernandez is a third-term lawmaker from East Portland who was just re-elected amid the allegations of misconduct. 
In the suit, Hernandez's lawyers argued that he has not had the opportunity to defend himself, so therefore a vote to expel him would be unfair. Judge Aiken disagreed with this argument, saying that she could not take the power away from the legislature that is constitutionally granted to them. After Judge Aiken's decision, Representative Diego Hernandez has announced that he's going to resign rather than face the expulsion vote tomorrow. Last night, he told OPB he'd resign rather than face that vote. He'd already indicated he did not plan to attend the vote or to testify, and he would be the first lawmaker ever expelled by the Oregon House. Here's Representative Diego Hernandez, quote, Today I tendered my resignation so my colleagues may focus on serving Oregonians and so I can move forward with my life and focus on my health and family. Over 38,000 people were still without power in Oregon yesterday. On Saturday, PGE had said it restored power to more than 14,000 customers. It said 400 crews were working to restore service to those remaining without power. According to PGE, the damage and dangerous conditions left behind by the storm were the worst the company has ever seen. The ice storm started on February 12th, knocked out power to more than 350,000 residents at its peak. Much of the power loss was due to the snow-laden, windswept trees falling on power lines. I might even say ice-laden. PGE has faced ongoing challenges in restoring power in the week following the storm. They're still working to bring power back to the last 38,000 customers as of last night. And finally, some good news. The new Parks and Rec budget will restore summer programming. On Wednesday, City Council approved a budget proposed by Commissioner Carmen Rubio. They also approved an enter fund loan to let Parks and Rec access funds from the parks levy passed by voters in November. Typically, those resources would not become available till November 2021. This is key because it allows recreation programs to now transition from a model that depends heavily on charging fees to a more service-driven model. The new model focuses on racial equity. It also eliminates the cost barrier for Portlanders who need parks programming the most. There will be new or adapted parks and recreation programs designed to meet public health and safety guidelines for COVID-19. Some of these include continuing the free lunch and play program to distribute free meals and art in parks, outdoor day camps, environmental education jobs and volunteer opportunities, and outdoor arts centers, community centers, and swimming pools. Additionally, art and cultural activities will be hosted all summer long at Gateway Discovery Park. And several existing recreation programs will begin to offer live virtual programming online. And that's today's today's Quick quick 6 Local Rundown. rundown. Big thanks to writers Julia Oppenheimer and Miranda Selinger. X-Ray. Next up, we have Matthew Fromm, owner of Portland-based Astronaut Saint Records. Matthew and X-Ray's DJ Ambush discuss mutual aid, running a record business during COVID, and what's next for Astronaut Saint Records. Being a working musician has never been a particularly secure and steady job. There are no employee benefits, and most of your money comes from long stretches on tour, unexpected, an unexpected crisis like medical emergencies or, say, a worldwide pandemic put musicians at high risk. But as is the case with so many other communities, people are branding are banding together to provide mutual aid and support. Here to tell us how he's helping is Matthew Fromm, owner of Portland-based Astronaut Saint Records. Hey, Matthew. Hey, how you doing this morning? Good, good. Uh, as I was just telling the listeners, they caught us on the tail end of a conversation of you know how we're personally dealing with the pandemic. And yeah. listen, I, I, I am with you. I think I've gotten into this habit of just 
sitting at home, being as safe as possible, uh, ordering anything I can possibly order to stay away from other people, especially, you know, if, yeah. if you've got little ones, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's been our take this whole last year. It was, yeah, we had, our, our son was born March 3rd, so it was kind of when COVID was like this little whisper in the wind, you know, people were kind of talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, the government's like, oh, sh- everything shut down. That's it. And so we were just like, what in the world is going on? Because like it went from nothing to being the biggest thing. Right. You know, in the in, in the world. And so, you know, uh, yeah, it was it was just crazy. It was it was definitely a scary situation. It's still, you know, I mean, frightening. You know, you've got these new variations. Yeah. Fortunately enough, it, it hasn't mutated enough where the vaccine isn't going to help right. with the new variations. So right. that's that's promising, too. Right. So but to. uh to get to what we're doing to help with the Jeremy Wilson Foundation, mm-hmm. they have they've been around for ten years. A lot of people in the mu- in and around the music community know about their services. Uh, for those that don't, it's like you said, you know, when you're a working musician, a lot of times you don't have the luxury of getting health coverage from an employer because you're basically self-employed. And mm. Uh, the Jeremy Wilson Foundation has a musician health and services program that is dedicated to providing emergency financial assistance to not only the musician, but their families during times of medical crises. So, I mean, it's a, it's something that is just absolutely necessary now more than ever. But I mean, it's it's always been I wish there were more programs like that throughout the U.S. Mm. There's one uh, where I grew up in in Kansas City called the Mid- Midwest Music Foundation. Um, that that does kind of the same thing but yeah musicians are kind of an overlooked uh you know class of citizen when it comes to health care and, and benefits and stuff like that and i don't know if if anybody's tried to navigate the healthcare system in this country but it's really, <laughs> yeah it's really frustrating yeah so so they have a, a licensed social worker uh on their staff that helps you know direct people and get them aid either locally, uh, state or federal aid to, to help with, you know, whatever it is that they're going through. And, and as somebody that went 20 years without health insurance, wow. I mean this, yeah. And, and also being, um, I was a professional musician a long, long time ago and then was a chef for 20 years and then decided I was going to open a record store last year. And, but I went, you know, 20 years without health insurance. So I've got mm. the tens of thousands of dollars of medical debt to, to talk about, you know, that's what it's like to not be insured and have a medical emergency happen because you're just you're, you're racked with that debt. It's on your credit report, you know, and, and it, it doesn't go away. Right. For, se- for seven years. <laughs> so. <sighs> so, yeah, it is. It's 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 frustrating. And, and uh, I was talking to one of the writers for the JWF Foundation. She's going to be doing uh, releasing an, uh, a newsletter, an article about the charity auction that we're doing, which okay. I'll get into a little bit in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I told her, I said, I, I could, I could go down the rabbit hole talking about how, how the, uh, you know, insurance industry has become so monetized in this country and it's just a distasteful to me. It's a it, it really just, yeah. And she goes, you're preaching to the choir. So, <laughs> so, it's, so I said, I'll get off my soapbox on that one. And we just continued with our, uh, with, you know, she was just doing a written interview with me. So, but yeah, so we're hosting this charity auction. Yes. Um, it is. Basically, uh, products that have been donated uh, by all of the record labels that we work with, or most of them, I'd say a large majority of them. Okay. Uh, we're an independent record store, so we carry a lot of indie vinyl. We're vinyl only. 
we carry stuff from like Sub Pop up in Seattle, uh, Fat Records down in LA, mm. Mer- Merge Records, Bloodshot, Polyvinyl, Secretly Canadians, a distribution company that distributes for a whole slew of independent labels as well as their own, which is Secretly Canadian. Uh, Fat Possum out of Oxford, Mississippi, which is a great label. Um, yeah, they uh, a lot of them uh, donated quite a bit of merchandise, um, autographed LPs. Nice. Yes, which and then I reached out to some some musicians that I kind of had a, a, a small acquaintance with uh, personally and asked you know if they'd be willing to donate. And so we had a uh, William Elliott Whitmore, which is a, he I've been a fan of his for you know close to two decades now and mm-hmm. and another band murder by death and they both sent us some stuff and yeah it's it's really been great and so all in all i think we've got probably like 30 some odd items at this point nice to uh to bid on a lot of it you know all, all of it obviously music based um so you're seeing a lot of like label t-shirts and and signed lps and mm-hmm. special edition lps and stuff <laughs> like that and so, the proceeds are all going to uh, the JWF, their Musician Health and Services Program. So who uh, who came up with the idea for the auction? How did you guys come up with that? Well, it was something that my wife and I were talking about last year. Uh, like I said, we I mean, we opened up last year pre-COVID, mm-hmm. and we were going to to go off on a little tangent just to give you a little backstory about mm-hmm. you know where we where we came from, where we were at that point. Uh, we opened pre-COVID. We had plans to get into a physical storefront in April, and then the lockdown happened in March, and we had to make a very difficult and swift decision on whether or not to shut the business down until we figure out what's going to happen because nobody was giving anybody information. It was like, we're just locked down. This is what's going on. Yeah. So we decided to at least earn revenue because uh, we had already had inventory built up and all that stuff. And we had a modest website. I just I got on there. I overhauled the website. I uploaded our entire inventory on there and we switched to complete you know, web sales for the time being. And uh, unfortunately, the money that we had set aside for the storefront, we like like a lot of people, we were hurting financially last year, mm-hmm. uh, w- especially with uh, our son being born in March. You know, my wife took uh, maternity leave for uh, the allowed amount of time, and and you know, it was it was good though. It was a good call that we decided to do the you know the online version because it allowed me to actually be there for the first couple months of my son's life too, and you know, up until now too, still. But yeah, we we what we burnt through all of our savings last year. And so now we're kind of uh, looking at some grants to get into a physical storefront. We're actually going to build our own storefront. We have room on our property. Nice. Uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're about seven blocks away from 82nd Street um, down on Southeast Audi. And so uh, we're, we're zoned in a residential uh, area for like commercial use. But, you know, so last year uh, towards the, uh, you know, I'd say probably around October, um, you know, our online online sales were, they were okay. Uh, but we were looking to introduce Astronaut Saint Records to the community. Okay. And I thought that doing this charity auction for a nonprofit organization that I respect highly and can't speak enough about, you know, because the work that Jeremy and the volunteers are doing is just amazing having conversations with him is just uh he he's just very heartfelt he's he's 
highly overworked, but still driven and passionate to get the help to those that need it. And that's why we chose that organization to do this charity auction for. So it was kind of, you know, I mean, it's, it's the first and foremost, our goal is to raise the money. Right. Uh, we'd like to at least get, you know, a thousand dollars in funds raised. We have an option on the website to do just straight donations. If you don't feel like bidding on any of the items. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not a whole lot of money, but they, they lost out on 60% of their fundraising last year because Whoa. they do live events. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. nobody could do live events last year. So, you know, I mean, after he told me that my jaw dropped and I got a little teary eyed cause I was yeah. like, well, I, 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 then I'm definitely doing the right thing right now. Cause it usually I have a gut feeling that I, that I get, I'm like, you know, this is the one that I'm going to do. And when he told me that I was like, I have to make this happen. And so yeah, so I we my wife and I we chose a, a good platform uh, to host the auction on, and uh, it's really easy to sign up. Uh, you can go to our website to get there because the uh, auction website's kind of a mouthful. So if you go to astronautsaintrecords.com, on the top menu there will be a charity auction button. Okay, and you click on that, and it'll bring you to. Uh, a page where you can go to directly to the auction site and then you can also go to a page that has any press surrounding the uh, auction the charity auction so it's easy to go to just go to astronautsaintrecords.com click on the charity auction menu and then it'll uh, give you links to the auction site and to the press around it and it's super easy to sign up you just click on the registration button when you get to the page and uh, they ask you for some information and then you can get to bidding or donating, you know, either one. So it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty simple, pretty straightforward, nothing complicated about it, but yeah, we, uh, we're glad that we're doing this. Um, you know, the conversations that I've had with Jeremy uh, over the last month or so. Yeah. He's just, he's been, you know, pretty, pretty stressed out and overwhelmed by the amount of applications for assistance that they have right now. Wow. You know, it's like, it's one of those positions, you know, like I'm one of those people, like I, if I, if I had the ability to help everybody that I possibly could without money being an issue or anything else being an issue, I would help everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's just been my personality for, you know, as long as I can remember is just, you know, going out of my way to, you know, to help people out. Even when I, I'm down to my last couple bucks. You know, if I, when I was living in Kansas city, I saw a guy on a 107 degree day sitting in a doorway, you know, without a shirt on mm. kind of looking passed out. And I, I ran up to the dollar tree and grabbed a couple gallons of water and, and brought it to him. And, you know, that's just, that's just, you know, my personality. And so talking with Jeremy, I mean, we both kind of, I feel like have that same mentality where, where it's, it's that, that charitable, that perfect charity sort of giving without asking anything in return. You know, right. I don't want to use the word altruistic too much because it seems a little hoity toity to me, but right. <laughs> you know, but, but, but practicing, you know, that perfect charity, you know, being able to give without having Expecting. any sort of expectation in yes. return. And, and, and he is definitely all about that. And he's proven it over the last decade. And, and, uh, we're happy that we can, you know, do this, this auction. And we're just trying to get the word out and publicize and promote it. And we definitely appreciate uh, you guys doing this radio interview so we can, you know, get some listeners aware of what, what the Jeremy Wilson foundation does and that there is an ongoing charity auction, uh, just to let people in on what the dates are. Mm -hmm. It started at the beginning of January. 
The charity auction will close on March 31st at 11.59 Pacific Standard Time. All right. You guys heard it. Let's get involved. Thank you so much, Matthew. That was Matthew Fromm from Astronaut Saint Records. Thanks to Matthew for joining the local. Astronaut Saint Records 2021 charity auction runs through March 31st. Big thanks to writers Julia Oppenheim and Randa Selinger. Thank you for listening to the local, your hometown, in about 30 minutes. Thanks for subscribing and giving your five-star review. And thank you, democracy. Talk to you tomorrow. X-Ray.